Hello there, it's Hodgie the Hack and I'm back with a new podcast tonight and alongside me I have one of my oldest friends and especially when it comes to football and the first footballer that I properly got to know is my pal Craig Easton. How are you doing Easton? I'm good mate, um, got to know, stroke stopped. What, what do you mean? I'm only kidding, no because we, we, <laughs> met, we met down at... Um, Staffordshire University, didn't we? And it was the we old um, other Scottish guy in the room. Who's that? And um, it was That's you. Right. Uh, we, we introduced ourselves and we ended up um, we were doing the same degree. Um, Aye, well, slightly, slightly similar. There was a wee it, change because yours was specific, like specifically for professional football players. Wasn't you're it? Right? Yeah, you, you like to call me the watered down version, but. Um, <laughs> Aye, no, they just—they basically gave you a degree. The real <laughs> students among us had to work hard. You know what I mean? That's harsh, mate. That's harsh. No, that—that's that was our, um That was way back 2010. So we've had this. We've had this idea for a while, haven't we? We've had this kind of buzzing about, and um, when did we first mention the idea of hacking tackle? I was thinking this to myself. It was like 2014, 15, awesome. something like that. It was ages ago, man. Yeah. And we set up a Twitter account, and we got one of my pals because one of my pals that grown up, um, a guy called Gav. You were his, his yeah. yeah. fan. Yeah, you were his favourite football player, and. I remember he's, he was amazed when when I knew you. I, I'm and amazed. I, that, I'm amazed that I'm his favourite player. Neat <laughs> taste, mate. Um, but I like it's just it's it's great funny taste. the way things go. Funny the way things go. And what we decided is obviously I um, slightly disparagingly, slightly taking the pee, made my Twitter handle and my email address, which got me a work placement at Watford back in the day. Hodgy the hack. Mm-hmm. Um, so hence the hack and your tackle. Because like you used to play in football when you were allowed to tackle. Do you remember those days? They were great days because I loved a tackle. Um, do you remember those days? I'm uh, listen. You're not allowed to touch anyone now. But how no, many I, red cards would you get now? Because you were a dirty player. But I like many. Um, no, no. But I mean, no. See if you play. Oh no! Okay, I don't know. I, like, that's what we talk about, like guys, um, myself, and, and and boys around about my age, and you know. I was talking to Gary Bowen about this just a couple of weeks ago and he was saying he wouldn't, I mean, he was another player that liked to tackle. Um, and I, I've, I've got, I've actually got scars to show for that one. Um, uh, but Was there a story no, behind that? No, I was just playing opposite opposite each other. He was playing for St John, I was playing for Dundee United. He ended up, um, I was on the other end of his, his head, which is a, a fair... Um, is a boulder. It's an implement. Yeah, a boulder. Aye, aye. Aye. So... Um, that was interesting, but no, we were talking about this. <laughs> I would say a bowling ball, right enough. But we, we were um, strike one. We were uh, we were talking about this. That uh, he he was like, I can play, and I said, Well, I don't think I used to be able to get at least one or two tackles to sort of set yourself, you know, to sort of ease your way into the game. And then right. um, now now it's like you're getting booked. Boys are getting booked for um, very little. And even sent off our west, you know what I mean? So, the um, game's changed, mate, and it's sad. But l- listen, I better do my intro, right? Because I was it. messing about. Sorry. I was put off by the fact, by the way, that your name is meant to be up in that wee box so that people can see it so they know who you are. You're more recognisable than me, obviously, even in my mm-hmm. channel, probably. But um, yeah, names are meant to be in boxes. I'll need to work out how to do that because that's that's something that a proper prepared person would have done. But this podcast, right, this is called Hack and Tackle. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about things that are happening in football. I need a bit of room to talk about Fitbar that's not about Norwich City. 
funnily enough, we're going to talk quite a bit about Dean Smith tonight um, and about the concept of a new manager getting into a football club. It feels very much like a good time to talk about that because Rangers have hired Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, Steven Gerrard's going into Aston Villa, um, which obviously was the, the precursor for Van Bronckhorst going in uh, at Rangers. You know, obviously, a lot of protagonists for the Scottish game back for that time. We'll probably mm-hmm. revisit a few of these themes. Me and you talk fit, but all the time you stay and um, lament a lot of things about the way the game's gone. So maybe we'll just be like, the two guys at the Muppets. You know, the two <laughs> old guys that sort of sit watching the, the play. Uh, I forget what they called. Walt, St- oh, Sadler and Waldorf, is it? Oh, um, I know what you're talking about, though. But that's, that's basically who we are going to be, the two grumpy old Muppets. Just a couple um, of Muppets, aye, that's probably right. <laughs> aye, well, that's bang on. Um, but I, I wanted to have a podcast where I had something that was a wee bit of an offering to what, my Scottish audience and folk. That, that are into that side of things. But the good thing is, because we're going to talk about Dean Smith today, hopefully there's something that all my Norwich fans um, that follow me and follow my content enjoy as well. If you do enjoy the content, you can watch live on my YouTube channel when we're streaming out. This is obviously a recording, because I just want you to get a feel for what it's like when me and Easter have a conversation to start away without everybody chipping in. But you, of course, can find all of my stuff on Hodgie the Hack on all our socials. And this Hack and Tackle podcast will be available on all the major podcast players soon. As soon as I get this first episode out, we should be cooking with gas. But Easty, I was interested in one of the things you put in our WhatsApp chat earlier, where you said, and I don't know if you're taking the pee here, but you said, I'll dig into what it's like in the dressing room. I've got a couple of managers the sack. Like... Are no, you taking saying, the pee there? Or what, what's no, the story? No, Are you like, that guy that gets managers the no, sack? What's the story, man? What I meant by that was you were, you were saying, like, we were going to touch on um, what it's like from a player's point of view, maybe even a, a coach's point of view, when a new manager comes into the building. And it's um, yes. what I say to you was there's been, there's been a few changes when I've been a player. And that's what we used to laugh at. And ah. it's like you, you, you get, you know, I've had a few managers the sack. And it's, and it's been like, you know, there has been quite a bit of change. Um, there was quite a bit of change at Dundee United in my time there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the other clubs was um, Swindon Town, but that was more, um, yeah, there was a couple of changes in my three years there. Uh, but if you go back to Dundee United, there was quite a few. Um, mm-hmm. So I was just saying, what you can draw on these experiences. When a new manager comes in, I think... Right, about, so everybody goes on about the new mm-hmm. manager, right? What is it about just a fresh voice and fresh ideas that, that makes a difference. Because sometimes I think you don't even need to be a good manager to go in and have a good first five games at a club. You can just be the new guy, you know? So yeah. what, what is it about that? Is it just basic human psychology or is there more to it? I think we've got to go back and think, when a new, when's a new manager coming in? He's usually coming in when the team's doing badly, when the team's losing. Well, in Dean Smith's case, it was five games in the bounce. It could be more, it could be mm-hmm. less. Sometimes you only get three or four, um, depending on, you know, other factors, I suppose, as well. But, but I think if the team's losing five, six, seven, eight in a row, a new manager comes in. And that's, right away, as a player, you're thinking, where do I fit in here? Mm-hmm. How am I going to fit in here? So you've got to... It's, it's, it's not right. I don't think it is right. Everybody, subconsciously, or, or probably consciously, ups their game, ups their energy levels because now they're really 
uh, starting from scratch. They haven't got that relationship yet. Maybe some people have. Maybe they've played with a manager before. Maybe they, they, those players are maybe a bit more relaxed about it. But when someone else comes in, it's like a new boss in any of these work, in any work right. life. New boss comes in, you're trying to impress them. And usually I think that's what carries that new manager bouncy talk about. But what I find interesting is the, when the new manager comes in, I think depending on that scenario that's gone before, if it's if it's say you've lost four, five, six in a bounce, they've got to come in and make an impact right away. And I actually think it's it's quite easy. I'm not saying easy to make an impact, but I think there's a it's like players are, are ready. They're ready to go and perform for you because they're trying to they're trying to win you over. They're trying to be in your starting eleven. You've not um, lost anybody yet unless you're really, exactly. really bad at the man management, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, we, we, we've we've seen people and I think it's becoming it's that first team meeting, you know, that first team meeting that can really set the How do they for, go, right? So I'll tell you right, my, mm-hmm. a team meeting for me is a button I click when I'm playing football manager, right? And I hope I click mm-hmm. the right one and set the right expectations for the players. But talk me through, and I mean, you don't need to name names or you can if you want. Talk me through a, a good example of a first introduction and a, a sort of not yeah. as good one that you've had. Because I think I'd be interested in the contrast between them and, and what you can read into that. Well, I think I think when you look at, when a manager comes in, he's trying to set the tone for what he's wanting to do. But I think the, the, what players want is clarity. It's Because usually, mm. see, when you're losing five, six in the rounds, there's probably got a wee bit of... Uh, there's maybe been Chopman changing in the team. Um, there's maybe been a change of formation because you're trying... The, the, the previous manager's been trying to find a formation that works. He's been trying to find the personnel that works because obviously what's been what's been happening hasn't maybe been, been working. So really around that last maybe two or three games, there's maybe been a wee bit of desperation keeping in. Maybe things are getting done a wee bit differently. Um, and I, I hear this trust in the process. A lot of managers do that. I, I like that. I like that. But I how, how about, like, in terms of the buzzword bingo, you into the word project? It's, it's, it's another word that people are using. It's a, <laughs> it's a project, you know. But trust me, what, what I'm trying to say is that they maybe go away from that and they try and tinkering with things, trying to trying to get that win that might change the season, it might change the momentum, it might keep them in the job, it might get the team back on track. So see when a new manager comes in, because that's all beginning on in terms of there's been maybe a wee bit of confusion, I think players want clarity. Players want to know their roles, they want to know maybe. Um, so so a couple of managers that, that I've worked under have come in and it's been like, right lads, I've, I've actually watched... The last, you know, the last three, four, five games. This is what we're going to do. We're going to play these. Maybe they'll maybe give you two formations. We'll maybe play this formation, or we'll play this formation. Um, and this is what we're going to. This is what we're going to do. They'll maybe go through 15, 20 minutes. Maybe, maybe a wee bit longer than that. And it's really concise. They might have um, visuals on the on the screen. Um, and then, and then it, it sets the tone. I think you go any longer than that. It maybe try you know you're putting maybe too much information, but a lot of times it, what I've seen when I've seen that happen, and then you get a good reaction in training the next day because everybody's going okay. I kind of know what my role's going to be as a midfielder. I kind of know, and, and and then people are ready to go and work in that, you know whatever, you know. So simplicity quite important then. Sim- absolutely. The Just yeah, keep it definitely. Easy. Keep, don't, keep don't it get, easy. Uh, come in 
um, give everybody you know what's expected of them. Um, and that can be, that, that I've, I've seen that done in 15, 20 minutes in terms of just what, listen, this is what we're going to be now. We're going to be this type of team. And listen, the next part of that is implementing that in the training field, obviously. Um, but you, you've, you've, set this, you've set the tone in terms of what you're expecting to people. Um, What's the other end of the spectrum? How can you totally <laughs> well, mess up a, that first not mess it up, but I think possibly you can talk too long. I think you can give too much information in that um, first meeting. I think there's a good one with actually John Hughes when he came into Wraith Rovers and um, he got everybody together. He had a he had a note, you know, one of the big notepads with the, the flip chart type thing. So he had a blank piece of paper there. He had a pen in his hand and he got everybody in and you know what Yogi's like. He, he can be quite intimidating. He's he's, he's a big character. Very um, big character. He, and, and he sat for down. And I think the Wraith lads were on a on a run of uh, you know couldn't couldn't get a win. And it was under Gary Watt and Dan Jackson. And to be honest, the dressing room was brilliant. It was still really good. Mm-hmm. It was just we were we just we just couldn't get that that victory that would have probably kept them in a job. And um. I think you know. I think it would have turned round if we could have got that. But obviously, the board decided to change the manager. Fair enough. Anyway, the dressing was still a really good dressing, so it wasn't like it was needing lift. In fact, if anything, the lads were sad to see uh, walking and Jacko go. And, and sometimes that that has an impact. That there's players that you know they they feel a bit of responsibility because obviously they think they think highly the the, the, the coaching staff, but. In this instance, Yogi came in at his chat um, and he says, right, this is how we're going to play. We're going to, um, you know, we're, we're going to uh, make sure we're covering round here. We're going, to, we're going to, when we get the ball, we're going to, we're going to push it forward into here. We're going to maybe um, exploit this space here. And he's doing all these maps with his pen. He says, but look, we've got to cover round. We've got to look careful in case, you know, we get counter-attack. But we want us to be uh, positive in the wide areas, and, and it ends up he's just draw he's just drawing a massive squiggle. No balls and a and a cock <laughs> on the board. Is he at it? Aye. <laughs> 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 oh, well, that's one way to go about it. Um, so that was his opening gambit. Um, but no, yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was good. You know, it was a good icebreaker. The boys were howling. Um, I know that's, that's it was brilliant. Really funny. Um, that's really funny. And then you know, after that, he, he explained a bit more about what he was doing. And um, <laughs> but but it was it was quite it was quite a funny one. You know, I've never seen that was a that was one that I was. Any I didn't even any think others? Any any others that are particularly um, memorable in terms of new new man coming in? Um, I'm also quite interested if there's, and again, like, I, know, I know you don't want to be sticking the boot into folk you've worked with no. particularly, but um, is, is there anybody, even if you want to keep it anonymous, that has come in and quite quickly lost a dressing room, quite quickly lost the trust of of anyone that's come in, or has it been mainly, mainly kind of positive instances been, that you've experienced personally? It's been mainly positive. I mean, I think even though, even if you come in... Um, and if you've been a team or, or players that have enjoyed working under the previous regime, you've mm-hmm. got to, you've got to immediately switch. You've got to immediately forget about that. It's, it sounds harsh, but you've got to just think about right, new guy in charge. What's he looking? What's he? What's he looking? 
What's he looking from? What's he looking for from me? Um, how can I get in his team? How can I stay in his team? Um, and how are we going to get ourselves up the league? I mean, that that's basically what your mindset has to be. Even though you maybe feel, look, I love playing, I love playing under the last guys. You've got to immediately switch to that new coach, to, and you've got to get used to the way he works. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a strange time because you can be first first name in the team sheet every week, and you can, and now you go you go from that to being. You know, I might not be playing. It's happened to me at Swindon Town actually when um, uh, Danny Wilson came in, um, and unfortunately under uh, Morris Malpass, I'd just gone out the team. I'd I'd played the best part of every game for a season and a half, and I'd just gone well, out the he, team. He's a guy that would have trusted you since you were a young yeah. boy, you know. And it was Paul Sturrock before that, but I mean, I, you know, I'd, I'd I was in there and I'd probably having one of the best spells of my career and. And then um, I'd just gone out the team and then Morris got sacked. And then um, when Danny Wilson came in, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't in the starting lineup. And um came in and, you know, I played very rarely under Danny. Um, so, see, see and, you... And, and, even, and it ended up, I felt that it didn't matter what I did, I wasn't going to get back in that team. So, but, you know... What's it like when a manager just doesn't fancy you? Um, it's... That's probably the biggest the, the, the time it's happened to me um, most of my career at Swindon there, and uh, it's it's hard because you just feel that you're um, you're working hard, you're working hard, and Saturdays Saturdays your reward, isn't it? Saturdays what you want to be doing, playing. You, you train all week to train all week to play on Saturday, have a bit of fun, have compete. Um, yeah, you're getting your games in reserve, but it's, it's, it's not the same, not at all. But um, it's disappointing, you know. You you, you kind of what you live for it's it's the toughest time in a, a footballer's career either you know that and injuries and, and, and in the case of myself at Swindon at that time I felt that I could be the best trainer every day I felt I could do what I could do in the reses score goals create goals um, and I wasn't I wasn't going to start in that team and, and to be fair ah, you were no bad sometimes well I tried my best I, mean, I ran about a bit but no listen you end up it, it's you think, you know, I, I, need, I need to move on here. It ultimately comes down to that. But, I mean, I think we go back to the manager thing and, and about them coming in, new staff. Um, it is a big changeover. It's a big bit of doubt that goes into... Um, I, I would say if, if somebody tells you that, that they don't have doubt, they're probably lying because I think everybody then thinks, OK... You know, we're, fit, we're, we're all, we're all, and it should have been this way anyway. You know, well, that's we're that's we're Harry Kane at Spurs, right? I, I know he's not yep. the best season, right? But Harry Kane's obviously he's banging goals in for England. He's banged goals in for Spurs ever since he properly made the breakthrough there. And Antonio Conte's come in, and that that's obviously we, we should make a distinction at this point mm-hmm. that the real elite of football, and, and me and you have spoken about this quite a lot, so I know we we share the view. The real elite of football is just kind of separate for the rest of it. But one of the things that still makes the game fun is that the the psychological element of going in at Cowdenbeath, going in at Wraith Rovers or going in at Spurs is the exact same. It's just you're dealing with different levels of characters, different levels of ability and all of that kind of stuff. But Harry Kane, will he still have that same hunger and desire? Maybe he's not the best example because he has no, a, 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 a he wants no. to, to leave. But 
Yeah, will I mean, he have that desire to prove himself to Antonio Conte? Will he still be nervous, like you say? Yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe you know, Kane maybe does still want to leave in the package. But I think you're going to need to prove yourself to a new manager. And he proves to, to a manager who has won, you know, at every level. Uh, you one know, and, and, won titles in every country. He's won the, the Champions League. Um you want to go and prove to him that, yeah, I can play in your team. You're, you're the top manager. I want to go and play for you. Um, you want to be on that. Listen, the best, the, the thing that you, you could find a footballer, you could, um, you know, that doesn't hurt him. Not playing on a Saturday for me hurts you. Do you know what I mean? Maybe when you get to the, the top level, I don't know, some of the guys might be just happy picking up how much they're picking up every week. But I tell you what, it, I think if you go, you go to the top Elite performers that are really competitive. If they're not playing on a Saturday and they're not trying to prove themselves to the manager, to themselves, to the fans, and you know, well, I, I think everyone in them are doing that. You want to find, and I, I know this for, from my own career, my own professional life. You want to find some sort of significance or pleasure from whatever work you're doing. Like you yeah. want, you want that to be. It's a reflection on you, the work that you do. So you want that to be positive. You want that to be good. As a footballer, obviously, you're that's magnified mm. because everyone's got an opinion, everyone's scrutinising, everybody's looking at you. And that's one thing, actually, that I, I always think is... I mean, I get nervous playing at boys' club level that I was going to take a bad touch and let yeah. folk were going to groan in the sidelines. I can only imagine what it's like doing it in front of thousands and thousands of people. What's it like, like when you actually do kind of step onto the turf? Sorry, I'm I'm going off kind of um, field of dreams here. But um, what's it like when you, you you step onto the turf in front of those people? Once do you become conditioned to pretending the crowd's no there? Or what's that relationship with the crowd like as a professional player? It changes throughout your career. I think. Oh, that's a great answer, Easton. Talk so. me through it. Um, right. I'm going to dive in at the other end. I'm going to dive in when I was near the end of my career. And you kind of know you're near the end. Right, go, go in retrospect then, right? Let, yeah, because go. I think you kind of just start almost enjoying it more. Uh, because you, you may be thinking, this could be my last game here. Uh, you never know if injury or, or if you never know if that manager's going to come in and know like you when you're a wee bit older and you're, the young, younger boys are coming up. So you're actually... You're, you're probably relishing it more. You're probably tuning into all the wee details in the tunnel, and well, we'll go back in the in the changing room before in the tunnel, and then on the pitch. I, I love I love getting there. I love the nerves. See the nerves, great because I know I'm ready. Um, you play better. Not not better. It was just natural. Like I, I felt everybody says, "Oh, great." I'd be nervous because I'm nervous because I want to perform. I want to do my best. That's why I'm nervous. I'm, I'm not nervous because of the fans or anything. I'm nervous because I want to do the best for myself. I want to, I want to, um, show you know, show myself in in a good light. Show myself that that I want to, I want to hit the standards that I kind of set for myself. And I think if I do that, I'm staying in the team next week. I maybe I maybe help my team win, and how, and now we're going to be successful. But I'm, but but just going into that that zone. Before the game was brilliant. When I I, I I probably got out onto the pitch, nervous, nervous right out onto the pitch. As soon as I'm on the pitch, that that little 
bit of time before kickoff was brilliant. I thought that that was just so relaxing. You were just kind of. I used to try and take in my surroundings. Listen, it might have been playing more on a Tuesday night in front of. I don't know, a thousand fans, maybe maybe being generous here sometimes, but you know what? I'm sitting there going, this is great, I'm, I'm playing football here, you know, it's a lovely night, the pitch is nice, I'm ready for us, and and I and enjoyed it, and I was, you know, working with my teammates, and I think it, I was taking more in. When I was younger, I wasn't even thinking, I was just going to play you know that was that was like no pressure. That is that why young players are quite fearless sometimes. It's great. Just, I'm saying, it's, you know, I enjoyed that time when I was older, but it's the best time in terms of no fear um, when you're a young player. No fear. You're not paying bills here. You're just playing football. You know what I mean? Aye, see when you start. Hit, yeah. See when you start. Yeah, you've got. You've maybe got. A, you've maybe done well. You've got a two-year contract. You've got a three-year contract. Go and play. Go and do your best and, and, and try and achieve. Um, you start getting into uh, maybe you've got a house, you've got a flat. Now you're now you're paying bills. Now you're needing another contract. <laughs> now you're need, you know you've got a wife. Now you got a family. You know it's, it, you still enjoy it and you still it's still football and it's still all those things. But if you're talking about pressure, that's the wee bit of pressure. You know, that's so what about the pressure, pressure they deliver in training? And I'm going to round this back to new manager coming in. Mm -hmm. We talked about that first meeting, the first impression you make in the players, yeah. whether you draw phallic symbols on a flip chart or not. <laughs> right? I, um, I'm interested in the next bit now. So, but this strikes me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, right? But the next stage of how far can a manager take this team is what they do in the training pitch. So Absolutely. we're going to come on to talk about Dean Smith in a bit more detail. You obviously worked with him. Really mm -hmm. interested to get your insight into yeah. it. I had a day's training with Norwich City before going into that Southampton game. Yeah. What can you achieve in a day? And then we're going to look at like a longer spell of training. But what can you achieve in that first spell in the training pitch? Right, I used just to think one that, day. Well, I used to think this this would be very hard for a manager coming in. But see now, see see experiencing new managers coming in. It's so easy, right? And you know the reason why, Hodgie? Everyone's why? ready. Everyone's got a sponge again. You're back to being a sponge. You're listening. Aye. You're ready. You just you, you could put on anything. Well, listen, maybe not anything, right? You've got to know, you've got to show what you know, right? You've got to show that you've got but because yeah, they they're under like so we're talking about the pressure as a player. Oh the new managers got to show they've got something about them, especially they, once you go up the levels. They've you got know, to show, you right? To see you've got a good operator. Without a doubt, they've got to show and the session needs to be good and, and they'll have it structured, they'll have it ready, right? There's no excuses, and and there'll be no there'll not be any any room for error. But at the same time, the players are ready for something different. They've maybe had some some players. You'll get you'll get a group of players that will be um, gutted. The managers left. You'll get a group of players that are not really that bothered. You'll get a group of, you know, you'll have a group of players that are delighted. The previous managers left, so they're ready. So you've got all these different mix of players, but I'll tell you what, every one of them in that first training session are ready. And and if, and the manager will come in and I'll guarantee you whatever he puts on, all that all those players will go back and go, Oh, that was great. And it'll be maybe I I always felt that the the, the session that the manager put on that had just come in, the new manager, it was always maybe something a wee bit different. A wee twist. It probably, do you know what? It probably wasn't. But see, because it's a different voice. See, because he maybe just tweaks a a, a session in a different way. 
it feels like it's totally different and the boys come away from it more often than not and go, oh, I'm having that. That was brilliant, wasn't it? I'll guarantee you it would probably be they'll have done it. They've done the same session or something similar many times before because it's a new face, a new voice. It just feels different. And that's why you sometimes go in, like, you know, you talk about Dean Smith having one session. Boys will have, boys will have been leaving the training field buzzing after that and ready for Saturday. And that's what happens, you know. I mean, it's just that, that wee bit of difference, that wee different voice, that different, um, maybe a different outlook as well. Missing might come in and it'll be something that you've never done before and you go, oh, I quite like that. Might be a wee bit of detail that you've just picked up on something and you go, mm, that's interesting. What's more important in terms of the, the first game, performance or result? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. It's my job, mate. Mm. Hence, I, I, hence, do, do hence the what? hack. It's the <laughs> hack, yeah. Well, I'll try and tackle it. But no, listen, it's... Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's... I think it's... I think you you, do what, you want the result, right? You Listen, the result, mm-hmm. you need to get the result that maybe then... I think the result's for the fans. Yeah, fair. And I think the performance is for the manager because he can then see what he can build on and he can see what he's got to deal with. If he gets the result, the fans, the fans right away. If he doesn't get the result and the performance is decent, you'll get a majority of fans going, okay, we can see maybe an improvement, but you want the result, don't you? Um, The fans probably, and the players, awesome, the players want both, but I think that if you can see that you have come in, um, I I was listening to, I can't remember who it was from Newcastle, got interviewed after their game, they drew three each, um, Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, we were so much more fluid in attack. So mm-hmm. they've noticed a big difference there. Or it wasn't three each. The defending probably wasn't the best, but they've went, you know, we were so much more fluid in attack. We felt more comfortable. We were, we were um, committing more bodies forward. That and the, that psychologically right away tells them that, you know, they're maybe going to be a bit more confident. They're maybe going to be a bit more open attacking. So then, you know, that's a change there right away. Um, and you maybe saw a few things for the Norwich game as well that you you, you massively could, you could you could talk about you know so I mean? we the first goal that we scored came from across for the byline yeah. Daniel Farker didn't play crosses for the byline noticed immediately I felt that I learnt more about Daniel Farker's Norwich City in the first fifteen minutes of Dean Smith's Norwich City because when you become conditioned to watching a team play in such a similar way for so long it's almost like you forget there's other ways to play football mm-hmm. then. I noticed that Norwich City were getting the ball forward quicker, weren't retaining it well. But I think so. This actually, this this kind of leads on to something I was going to ask you as well, which is so first session, first meeting, simple messaging, right? Yeah. Norwich City, it was almost as if they took the message so verbatim, right? So I'm sure that his instruction was something along the lines, and I know you know Dean Smith, you could probably ask him, was something along the lines of when we've got the ball use it productively, get it forward quite quickly, mm. right? Not hoof it, but get the ball forward quickly. And in the first half, Norwich City were doing that, but they were doing that like without any sort of couple of passes and then doing it. It was just like, get the ball mm. forward, get the ball forward, and just weren't retaining possession. And then it was coming back at them. Whereas in the second half, they got the balance right. They would hold the ball for a wee while, press higher, 
and give themselves the platform to actually do that rather than than just looking to get it forward so quick that you were losing it quickly. Mm. But I'm really interested in the the element of simple messaging, right? But how do you make sure that a team doesn't just do so much of one thing? You, you see what I mean? So if, yeah, it's like, if the instructions get the ball forward quickly, then yeah. right, okay, that's fine. But do we not just let hold possession sometimes as well? How how do you manage to kind of bridge that gap of communication? Because I think that's a really yeah, fascinating aspect here. It's fascinating. It's interesting. I think I think your manager, the managers also got to trust that the players know know when the right time is, make good decisions. Um, and yeah, you, you, you take sometimes you give instructions as a coach to footballers and either take it to the letter of the law, like you said, do it every time. It's maybe not on. Um, they need to maybe hold, you know, they maybe need to retain possession a wee bit longer, maybe need to move the opposition before they, they go a wee bit more direct. Or, you know, it's just it's just decision making, isn't it? And and, and that's that's probably the biggest thing. Um you pro you won't encourage that, but at the same time I think like you said They'll have given them really clear instructions about what they're wanting to do. Um, the game then, and, and Norwich lost a goal in four minutes. It's like the game plan maybe changes a bit, or the players maybe change a bit after losing a goal early doors, and maybe that's that was maybe what you saw in the first half with Norwich. Uh, oh, I'm no, not no, sure. To be honest, they just kept doing what they were doing. They scored, right. let themselves quite quickly. So yeah, I think they did. it kind of balanced itself out. Mm-hmm. But the the key thing was that there wasn't deflation in the entire stadium whereas if Daniel Farker had still been the manager there would have been uh, there, there seemed to be belief that it was just like get up and go again and we've, we've not had that the resilience that we we, we showed was important mm-hmm. uh, I think um, I, w- I want to touch on one thing just in the, the generalities before we come to some names because I want to talk about Giovanni Van Bronckhorst I want to talk yeah. about Stephen Gerrard then we'll finish talking in a bit of detail about Dean Smith but I am um, quite interested so we mentioned that first training session what you can achieve with yeah. that how how long would you see the period is for the the filtering of new ideas of a football and philosophy so maybe a more detailed yeah. and over time approach to a new manager coming in and properly instilling their ideas and getting the team playing with the identity that they want them playing with how long is the period of that ingestion of new ideas and how long does it stay fresh, would you say, or does it vary from manager to manager? That's a really good point. I mean, I think you've got to look at, like you said, you can't come in and try and, um, managers can't come in and try and do everything in one week, two weeks. It's going to, They're going to drip feed parts of their um, philosophy, if you want to talk about it, or, or, or idea of playing. Um, and it's going to, it's going to cut. I mean, it, that's what you get pre-season for. That's what you get pre-season for, and and, and that's that's why you see you see teams building up all the way through, and then hopefully they're hitting the ground running. And, that, and by the way, you're always working in your game model. You're always working on your your way of playing. What, what's think, like, just 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 in case anybody mm, doesn't know, explain what game model means. The way you want to play, you know. Um, I think a manager. Our managers nowadays, they've got that, you know, I'm saying perfect, it's never going to be perfect, right? But that perfect way you play, the perfect game, um, and everything that you're doing and training will lead up to that. And it can't happen in one week. It can't happen. It's going to, it's going to be a continuous process. 
And it might change slightly, but I think that if you go in there and try and you know, throw everything in in the first two weeks, how we're going to play out from the back, how we're going to press, how we're going to keep possession, how we're, you know, just all, you know, how we're going to attack when this happens. If you do the whole lot like that, it's going to be overload, it's going to be overkill. So they're going to need to drip feed in. Yes, listen, like you said, those clear instructions are going to be there. This is how we're going to be in possession, this is how we're going to be out of possession and then work all the little bits of detail into those sessions. See, that, that, that's goes, really important know. for me. So it's like one mm-hmm. one overarching idea, then let it let, let work on the, the little bits round about that one overarching idea, the philosophy. Now, yeah. what's the key for you, other than this simplicity, which seems to be a recurring theme here, yeah. keep it simple, don't overload with information. But how do you make sure that, A, you manage to get your, your sort of uh, jokers in the pack and your more cerebral players all engaged. That's that's, that's one side of it. Oh, sorry. No, you need buy-in. For, you need to get buy-in from the players as well. Aye. I think you see a lot of managers now going, um, you know, it's almost like they're, they'll, they'll ask the players, they're getting the players to say, right, let's, you take a bit of, you know, can, can, you, can, can you contribute to this? You know, can you contribute to how we're going to play? How and it's almost like giving them ownership of what what they're doing. You know what I mean? So I I I read something and it was about and I've heard it on a podcast before as well. I think it was a high performance one. Um, Sean Dyche. He 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 gave. I think when he went into Burnley, um, he gave the players a questionnaire. Um, so right away the players are going. Never had this before. So that's something different. Tick that box. Oh, he's asking us what we think, you know. Okay, fair enough. He's maybe he's he's not just going to be authoritarian. He's you know he's so right away you're think right away a lot of these players are going. Okay, we we're part of this as much as he's right. going to tell us what to do. Listen, he's a top man, and listen, Sean Dice, he could run. You know, he he would be running that changing room and, and whatever else, but he's actually doing it very cleverly. Um by getting the players to buy into it, asking them what what, what, they, what can be done better, uh, how they feel about things. Listen, he might go and look at half of them and just put them in the bin and go, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You've and had you know it. Probably. Right. But at the same time, I think you, you, know, you, need, that, you need that for players nowadays. Um, I think that's a good way to go about it. I've, I've seen I, I think especially with the modern football player, democratising it like that is is probably a good thing. I, I'm well, quite interested though. So so, so the, the, see these ideas and making sure. So you've got to get the buy-in from everyone, mm-hmm. and you've got to keep the messaging simple around the yep. one idea. If if there's a ma- now, this is one of these magician doesn't reveal his secrets. Maybe, but what do you think is the the magic formula? that makes an idea stick and makes players get it, if you see well, what I mean. You know what, the best thing is, you talk about it, you maybe show it um, on, on, a, on a board, on a, on a presentation, whatever. See as soon as you go into that training, training field and you can see that happening naturally that, sometimes. Like, maybe, it won't, it. maybe it won't be right away. You know, you'll maybe need to set up something that'll be a wee bit false and, and embed it in or that but see as soon as that 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 what whatever that concept that the manager's been talking about happens naturally you're going you see it you feel it I think that's the best thing you feel it do you know what I mean and you go see as a coach I'm flipping that the other way right 
and, and I've been working on something and, and it's something that I think is pretty important. And then I see that first one training, I go, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. The guys have got it. And then you see it in a game and you go, wow. That's what it was. It's brilliant. It's what it's all about. But as a player, when you see that as a player and you see it working and it's po- and there's a positive at the end of it, say it's a goal or a chance or something, man, that's that's even stronger. That elevates it to the next level. So then right away you're going, well, this is working. You know, this is great. We are working on this during the week. We're putting all this effort in. Bang, look what we're getting out there. It's great. It's the best thing. That's, that's football. That's coaching for me. And, and, I, and I love that. And I think that when players, when players see that, it's the back, the buy-ins there right away and everyone's well, everyone's that, that's, on board. That's the key for me. So what I'm getting here is, and this is where the conversation we use always good fun, mate, and usually we are having it and it's on. The, the good thing about this is I feel that like you're teaching me stuff now, right? Um, and I won't admit that every week, by the way. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what I like about this is I'm, I'm kind of learning. It's making my brain go. And what my brain's saying to me now is it feels like it's almost like rungs on a ladder. You're building up new levels of trust in. Because once you get to that stage that you can see what the coaches are implementing is helping your success and your trajectory as a football team, surely at that point, you're, um, maybe not so much the younger lads, but definitely some of the more experienced pros will be going, all right, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. And then the buy-in must be, so the immediate buy-in you see is automatically there because people want to prove themselves. But once the manager or the coaching staff have then proved themselves to the players, then surely the buy-in must be, it's like, all right, I, I'm buying in, but I'm buying in with more money this time. It's like, I, I'm totally invested exactly. in this. And then, what, what's the next step after no, that? No, listen, then? I love the way you've put that. You're almost saying it's like layers upon layers. I mean, you're, you're getting me thinking, Absolutely. you know, and it's like, you're right, it's layers upon layers upon layers. And listen, some players, right, and this is the opposite, just before we get too far down the road, it's like, and I wrote a piece years ago about um, Barcelona and how they seem to have the players on the same, you know, it was, that, it was Pep Guardiola's great team. But, yep. but it didn't all I happen. It. Didn't all happen smoothly. It was for pickles. It, it, it didn't all happen smoothly for um, Pep. I mean, he went in. He had um, Ronaldinho. He had uh, Eto at the time. Who, to be fair, I think Ibrahimovic, and they weren't. They weren't really. They weren't really having Pep. It was all. No. Pep, well, I'm, I'm not saying not having him. I think it was Graham Hunter. I was speaking to about this. He came from the 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 Barca B. Um, and it was almost like they guys had been let, let loose a wee bit under Rijkaard. Rijkaard had done brilliant for them, but it was almost like, you know, things were kind of unraveling a wee bit. Pep went in and just says, here, these are the ground rules. This is what's happening. My way or the highway. And, and, and it ended up that, you know, guys left. Um, Ronald you know, went, Ibrahimovic went. You had, um, you know... Eto was out in the cold and came back in because he saw that he saw like working. what you're saying, what's working. He was what he was wanting to be part of this now. So you get that, and and and, and you know you, you can't do that at every level. You can't do that at every level. You can do that at the top level because you've probably got um, you've got Xavi to bring in. You know what I mean? So oh, bad. chuck somebody. You've got Xavi to bring in. You get ready somebody else. You've got Iniesta waiting. I mean, you know. that doesn't happen doesn't happen so you've got to kind of you've got to manage to the level as well 
and you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but but like before, what you going to say on the positive side? Yeah, when you when the players are seeing that, yeah, you're building on it all the time. Um, and I think that, like you said, the win goes a long way, probably to building on that. But the performance well as well, um, how you've maybe come back from adversity. Norwich going to go down in four minutes, come back, go right away. That was, I think that was important, Hodgie, uh, and, and I heard. I, I think Dean, that was important. Yeah, Dean Smith talking about that. It didn't yeah. last for too long. Um, I, I think the it, character shown as well. So Norwich finished the first half with uh, 34% possession, uh, 12 shots against, four on target against, one shot on target, one shot, uh, one shot, and it was on target. It was the goal. That tells me that it was all about resilience and hanging in the game, making sure that you hang in there, don't concede another goal, don't fall behind again, and just. But basically, the, the thing that Norwich City haven't been good at, hanging about, not playing well, but not getting beat. That, for me, I think in the long run, in terms of the mental side of it, be interested in your perspective here as well. I said this in another podcast tonight, Michael Bailey's on the ball podcast. Mm-hmm. I think getting maybe battered a bit OTT, but definitely run over in that first half. Mm-hmm. And then... Managing to hang in there, going in level at the break, and then Dean Smith and Shakespeare making their changes, whatever. I think the mental strength that Norwich City will gain from just hanging about in a game that they shouldn't really have been hanging about in. They should have been behind at halftime mm. in the balance of play. They were yeah. it. I think the mental, the mental platform that gives them to then go, oh, do you know what? How good are we going to be if we play well? Yeah. You know? And then they've gone on, they've won the game. I think just mentally for the players hanging in that game will have been absolutely colossal. So I doubt. I mean, you're, you're you're saying hanging in five game. Uh, what was Norwich's run there when 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 they changed manager? Were they? So they won the last game under Daniel Farker. So they did. But that was they, right. before that, they hadn't won. They had two points in twenty Premier uh, League yeah. matches. So it was no, definitely, but it's like you know they had a they had a victory from the last one. But like you said, I mean, um, going down early doors, it, it, you know, losing a goal early on in the game is never ideal. So like you said, the, the resilience, the coming together, I think that's what the things that Dean Smith will be looking at and going, yeah, we've got a group here that you know probably you know, didn't phase him. He came back in the game. They then went on it. Then went on it. Won it. Wasn't just happy to just coming back in, and um, I think being at home as well was great. It maybe helped. Um, I think that no, first, no, no, first game being away from home, maybe, maybe, maybe changes that a wee bit. Some I, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? I think being at home, the fans behind them uh, maybe pushes them on as well. So no, I, th- I think Dean will have seen a lot to, to Dean Smith will have seen a lot to go and build on. Um, He's inherited a good squad, Hodge as well, hasn't he? He has, absolutely. Norwich City's team. Um, heard this stat tonight. 11th most money spent in the summer yeah. in all of Europe. I think says a lot. And that's a club of Norwich City size. The club that <laughs> people say don't have a goal, don't belong in the Premier League because they don't spend. Just goes to show nobody should ever listen to talk sport. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I want you... I want to come on and talk about some of the other names. We're going to come back to Dean Smith because yeah. I know my Norwich fans in particular that, that watch my content will be really interested in that. But I want to talk a bit about um, the man that's 
come in or coming in at Rangers. Um, no managed his first game yet, and obviously yes. he's uh, one watching for the stands. Didn't go well for a Rangers perspective. Um, great, great result for Hibs, though. I want to talk about Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Yeah. I know you know people who have played with him and um, seen him operate. That I, was actually one of my red cards. Was it? Uh, talk to me. I, I was at Ibrox. We were at um, Dundee United against Rangers. And, um, Please tell me you put no. it in there. Do you know what, mate? I, we'd started really well, I think, the first 20 minutes. Starting really well at Ibrox and Celtic Park has, has been nil-nil. Um, because, you know, it's, it was always tough. You, I've been on the end of a few, a few defeats. But funny enough, we got a couple of good results against Rangers. So we'd started well, 20 minutes. And, and by the way, 20, just for context. I think it was maybe 25 minutes, yeah. Just for context, the midfield that Rangers had oh. at that point was stacked, wasn't it? It's a joke, who, who were you coming? Who were you coming up against? Just uh, well, try and remember for that game specifically. So that I know you game, played against uh, Gaza. You well, told me that. Van Bronckhorst. I'm not sure who else would have been in there. Oh, I'm trying to think, mate. I, I, Gaza playing that game? No, I don't think he would have. He'd have been away by that time. Aye, um, he would have gone by, by the, time the Dutch Revolution. I reckon it would have been. Fergie would have been in there. It'd been. It'd have been Barry Aye. Ferguson, Van Bronckhorst. Um, you'd have had the uh, the board would have been playing. Um, Still on names. Yeah, I mean, you know, there would have been a lot of the the, the top ones would have been playing. But I it was like twenty five minutes of the game. A ball kind of just bobbled up in between us, kind of bounced a bit knee height, and I've kind of went up, and I'm like, tried to just get to it first, and I think I think he's just towed it. He's got his toe to it. And I'm kind of, oh, I'm kind of ready to follow through, but just in the last second, um, I've, I've I've not put any weight on it because I'm want, I'm wanting it was, it was it was going to you know it was going to be a bad one, and um, but it, it, obviously the referee's seen it straight red. I'm like intent. I've not I've not touched them. To be fair, I've maybe slightly touched them, but if I had I've had to continue my momentum. It would have been a bad aye, one. Aye, aye, aye. But I've actually went, I've not touched him. Anyway, um, nightmare. Sent off. My dad's then up in the, my dad, my wife, my mum, they're up in the, um, they're up in the stand. The entourage, you're like a Ra- good rapper. Get your entourage away. <laughs> Rangers fans are up throwing pies down at the Dundee United fans. My dad's, I've been sent off. My dad's always in the pot. He's shouting at policemen to try and tell them to stop it. My wife just, my wife just went to the car. She went to the car. <laughs> she just was like, I've had enough of this. I ended up watching the game up at the police box. Anyway, after the game, I actually said, um, I got interviewed and for some reason I was allowed to do an interview. I think it was maybe, I wasn't that, I was only like maybe 20, 22 or something. And I've actually said, I never touched him. <laughs> and, and, and genuinely, I said, I didn't think I touched him. Just being honest. And I, I didn't think I did. Um, but anyway, one of the v- VAR had other ideas. Well, well, wasn't it? Wasn't VAR? It was the next day. It was the next day. One of the tabloids, and I'll not mention it because I don't don't deserve a mention. But the tabloid had the photo, the 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 still of the actual my leg over the ball studs on Van Bronckhurst's uh, leg, which looked horrendous. And by the way, I didn't even think it was that bad. And I mean, I it saw always it, looks worse than a still yeah. image, doesn't it? When like, I saw it, I was like, oh, that. That looks a bit naughty. <laughs> but I knew that if I'd have 
kept going. It was a, I, I knew it. it was like a split second thing. It was like a reflex action. I, I knew I didn't get it, and I just kind of somehow took the weight out, out, out of it, and I didn't really connect. Also, um, fellow but it looked horrendous. Would, he, he would have he would have understood. Yeah, but what happened looked, in that situation? Uh, he would have understood that you saved him a bad injury by not a, doing it. Well. The story he would have understood, but I went and gave an interview saying I never touched him, and it looked it looked horrendous. And so I felt in the next day I think I was meeting up for the Scotland squad for under twenty ones, and Alex Smith was the manager at Dundee United at the time. He was also manager of Scotland under twenty ones. I think that's how I was getting a game to be fair. And then um, <laughs> and then he said to me, "What about your interview?" And I went, "I know." I says, "Look, I was just being honest." He went, "He, he was kind of one. He was kind of saying to me, you need kind of." You need to be careful, like, you know, not be careful, but it's like that's one to remember. And I'm like, I don't know, it's don't just, talk to journalists, don't talk to journalists after people. the game. But I'm like, why yeah. did you let me talk? Why you wouldn't I get near them now? And then um, ended up, he says, You need to, so I ended up phoning him. I got I got Van Bronckhurst's number and phoned him. Um, and I never got him because he obviously seen my number and he's like, I'm not answering this. <laughs> <laughs> it was obviously, a, he'd never seen my number, it was just a random number, he's like, dinging it. Um, but I left him a voicemail um, and I actually got a letter back from him. He sent me a, a letter. letter? He sent me a letter, no. What did and he's just saying, uh, totally understand, we've played against each other a few times, and not that type of player, you're hard but fair and we always have a good battle, no, no hard feelings. It's not a problem. Do you have a box with all these things in it? I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, know I don't know where that is. Probably up my mum's oh, lost or something. you're less than me. I've got it's buttons pro- for my first Ardrossan and Salkett's head. Yeah, it's a red card man. against Rangers, man. I'm not keeping that. <laughs> I would have kept the letter, man. No, it was but cool. Rob Ross, like, Champions you know League winner. Do you know what? A bit of class from him, though. Um, no, that is. That's really and, um, classy. It's, um, it's interesting how that, that seems to be something that I don't know if it's the case now in the age of like WhatsApp groups and all that, right? But mm-hmm. I know Alex Ferguson sent letters all the time, like when he was Manchester United manager. Yeah. And he's he's my benchmark for what a classy way to operate in football oh, is. He, he's he's different class. I mean, he he's actually there's a there's a friend of mine um that's 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 really struggling with cancer at the moment and, and Alex Ferguson. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's he, he's um uh friend of families and he played well. He played with Alex Ferguson at St. Johnson, and they've right. kept in touch all these years. And Sir Alex phones him quite regularly, and he was on the phone to him, you know, a couple of weeks ago for thirty minutes, and he keeps in touch. And Love that. you know, it's just the, it's just the the, the, the kind of guys he has. But, you know, going back to to that, I I, I wouldn't have normally phoned somebody to apologise about a tackle, but ah, I just, fancy, I, just man. I know totally. But it was just one of those. It was like. I just I, when I gave the interview in the photo and that I'm like he, I, I need to kind of just say look I didn't mean it I knew I knew you didn't I, I just was wanting to say to you that this wasn't uh, I wasn't thinking that you'd sort of done me and got me sent off I just didn't I genuinely didn't think I'd touch you <laughs> fair play so like, what what we've learned there is um, as well as the the thing that was around in social media that he signs off his messages with WATP this this week we've learned that Van Bronckhorst does oh, yeah. does have a bit of class about him. I mean, as a no, footballer, he, he was he was brilliant, a magnificent player, uh, and Superb. I think the, what what he achieved in his career got on went on to to show just how classy a player he was. Yeah, I would also say that it's nice to hear 
that he had that way of going about him. And doing it with a letter specifically tells me something about him, I think, mm-hmm. because it tells you he's someone that that he kind of he understood that he had to conduct himself of a certain manner. Mm-hmm. I think someone that sends a letter in that situation is different to yeah. the guy phoning and leaving a voice. <laughs> well, I'm only kidding. <laughs> but, um, no, but someone that sends a letter in that situation is automatically making a statement about themselves by choosing to take that particular course of action. And what it tells me is that someone that has a, an understanding that they have to be a role model, that they have to conduct themselves in a certain way of doing things. So maybe that is behaviour befitting of the manager of a team of the Stature of Rangers. Well, I mean, is there anything else you could maybe tell me from playing against them or stories that you've heard about them or anything like that, um, whether it's first-hand or second-hand, about his character, about what what he'd maybe be like as a guy and whether a job as big as this, because it's still a massive, massive job, even with the the financial Mm -hmm. pressures that the old firm face now, can he handle that? Because that that wee anecdote to me says mm-hmm. that maybe he can. Well, it's just that, you know, he's going into a job where there's, there's a team still sitting top of the league. It's not like he's going in after, you know, he's not, he's not going in when the team's lost five in a bounce. He's not going, going in to, you know, save a team from relegation. He's not going in to try and... Um, but there's pressure to win Easty. And, oh. My good man's disappeared there. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. This is fascinating. We've just um, we've just touched on Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. We're going to come on to talk about Steven Gerrard. And we're also going to talk about Dean Smith in quite a bit of detail. But just by virtue of technology being technology and not quite working the way we want, I am going to end the very first episode of Hack and Tackle right there. But yeah, I think we're going to be hungry for for even more to hear for Easty. He's in, listen, right, far be it, I'm just talking about him crawling to Van Bronckhorst. I uh, love talking about football Easty and actually doing it in this way where we know it's kind of gone out to an audience. Although, although there's maybe a few fewer swear words getting, getting bandied around them when we would maybe chat between us. I, I, I love talking to him about football because I feel that I learn stuff and even though he's kind of unassuming about it, he, he's got a way of putting stuff across that makes my brain go. And I think, as he kind of alluded to, it's it's a mutual thing. We both think about the game from a slightly different standpoint, but in maybe a similar way. And hopefully folk enjoy that. Um, he has just come back, but I've said that I'm going to wrap up the podcast there. We'll finish on Van Bronckhorst, and then we're going to wrap up. Easty, I've just told our listeners, because I thought that was you, right. you'd had it. Just Aye, what we're going to do is, we're still running live at the moment. Yeah. We're going to finish in Van Bronckhorst, but I think we'll save Stephen Gerrard and definitely Dean Smith yeah. insight for another podcast, if you're if you're Some, up for that, mate, because no we problem, might mate. as well split this into two parts. Yeah, okay. We're already at, what, an hour? Yeah. And I feel that I could talk to you for another three. Um, and I was just, like, I was slagging you for um, for crawling with Van Bronckhorst. I just started extolling the virtues of you there and how much I enjoy talking football with <laughs> Um, sure, but yeah, let's um, let's finish on what happened to your phone, by the way. Did I don't die? Know what happened, mate? No, 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 no. Just, not, uh, not to just, worry. Just lost connection there. But Van Bronckhorst, we were on. We were on about whether he has the the, the gall and the the wherewithal to to harry. I can't even speak, mate. You can tell it's about quarter to eleven at night. Mm. Um, does he have the wherewithal to handle the Rangers' job? 
well, I think he's got a pedigree in terms of um, he, where he's played. How he, and I know that doesn't always transfer. Feyenoord's a big manager job as well. Feyenoord's a really big manager job. And you go there and be successful. Um, you know, when when Ajax is always competitive. Um, they, they've always, been, you know, he's went there and, and, he, and he's achieved there. Um, you've, you've got to look at that and think, Rangers is a totally different animal in terms of the, the job Stephen Gerrard found out. I don't think he realised um, the size of the club um, and what it entailed and, and he thrived under it. You know, he, thri he thrived in that yeah. environment. Um, Van Bronckhorst knows the club. He's got that um, as, a, as, a, as a positive in terms of he's played there and he knows what the supporters... I think to his credit. No, I don't want to too much into him. Yeah. He, knew, he knew what was expected. Yeah, totally. the, the one thing that came across completely in his first season was he kept talking about yeah. the standards expected of Rangers. But, yeah, totally. I mean, you're right. But you go back to Van Bronckhurst. I mean, he went and won the the, the, the title there with, with Feyenoord and I think it was the first time in... Uh, for, for, I was reading about this. It was the first time in 18 years that they'd gone and, and done that. I mean... What an achievement that is to, to go and Massive. bring that club a, a, a title. Um, like I said, you, you, you've got big clubs in, in Holland. Ajax are always dominant in terms of the amount of times that they've, they've won that championship. But to go there and do that, you know, he's a winner. You know, he's got that in his CV. It's like you're mm. talking about Conte. He's a, he's a winner. So... He, he, he's not just coming in there saying, oh, "I've just I've just been coaching here and I've been doing this and that." He's actually gone in and they are quite a, you know, an elite environment, a high, you know, and, and and managed to be successful. So I think that goes a long way because he obviously knows what he can, he can use whatever he's done there and at Feyenoord to to buy in. And I think he used a lot of young players as well at Feyenoord. There was a lot um, made about how many how many um, of those. Players that he used that were actual recruits from the academy um, that come through the, the system. Um, so that will be that will be interesting to see how he how he can sort of do that. I think, at Rangers I, I think well. at Rangers there needs to be a wee bit more of that. To be honest, uh, it's, it's mm. one of the things that I think Celtic are still probably a bit ahead of Rangers in terms of yeah. making making that pathway work. So yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be be mm. interesting to watch. Just want to touch on, I don't know if you saw the interview with, with Connor Goldson, um, who's come out and basically said that the hunger's gone a wee bit and that that's not positive messaging ahead of, or well, just as a new manager's coming in, is it? And I wonder, what would you, like you've obviously, you've coached and, and, and mm -hmm. stuff, so you understand the, the dynamic of that. Mm -hmm. What's it like if your captain's saying that as you come into a new club? I mean, how how do you deal with that situation? Do you do you clear house? Do you do you boot boot them up the, yeah. the proverbial? I mean, how how do you how do you go about that? Or is it is it almost is it almost positive in the sense that he can go in and really lift them now and and make that hunger come back almost? I mean, I think Golson's. I don't know if you. I don't know the temperature of it, but I think he's taking. Is he taking a bit of stick for for saying that? Is that a lot of people? You know, uh, a saying, lot. You know, a lot of people. So I mean, it, as usual in Scottish football, everyone's divided. Celtic yeah. fans are saying the banter years are coming back, and Rangers fans, I think, are are pretty annoyed to hear that kind of rhetoric coming, particularly after such a disappointing defeat 
and and the nature of the defeat as it was against Hibs. Well, when I when I watched that interview, Hodgie, I I took from it, and I, thought, I know what people are saying as well. We were, we were beat at three one. I don't think he was meaning they were. Beat. I think he was meaning in hindsight. 3-1 was probably too much to come back but I, I don't think but he's got to be careful about his word he's choice he's got to be saying that. his word choice and I think that was probably just what let him down there because I think that the second part of his interview where he's where he said uh, where he said the, the thing about um, um, the hunger's gone I actually love that I think he's been honest really? I think That's he's been honest I think he's his teammate I think he's maybe giving him a, a, a boot up the ass. I think he's yeah, maybe giving him a kick. I think ploy. he's giving him a kick up the, the backside. I think he's saying that's no good enough, and I think he's probably Hot saying. Take, I like it, no, no, listen, I, I'm not trying to just. I think, I think, you know, probably people sometimes and players and and that we're too used to them just saying what we want him to hear. He's actually come out and he's probably said that in the changing room. He's probably, if he's, I, I, listen, I don't know, not wasn't in there. I think if he's a captain, he's he's. Not been happy, but by the way, he's maybe not been happy with himself as well. I think he's including himself, and I don't think he's saying it's everybody else. I think he's actually saying, This isn't, lads, we've kind of been sweetwalking through the first quarter of this season, and it's not good enough. Because, I, you know, talking to a lot of Rangers fans, I'm not so loads of them, mm-hmm. but they were saying they were not as good as last season. Obviously, last season was, was, was incredible in terms of their performance and their win ratio. And I think they've been kind of, he's probably. When what I take from him saying that is that it's not been good enough, and I think their standards have probably fallen a wee bit in terms of off the back of the championship. And I think they need they need to say, look, it's not good enough just to be kind of just making over the line, just getting a win here and there. We've got to be better, and I think that was probably what he was saying there. I, I don't think I actually love that. I like love it. the fact I, that you say that. Lo- you know, I love your reading into that, and I hadn't considered that possibility so that's that's interesting so you don't you think maybe a bit of storming a teacup there's not actually too much to be managed there from Van Bronckhorst and it's just a case of ignore the noise do your work not ignore the noise I think he's got to refocus him I think he has got to say to them what well, if this is a case that you're you're maybe resting on your laurels you've been happy with one championship don't be happy with one championship be happy with two three four go nine in a row like the teams that the, the game soonest um, started in Walter Smith yeah you know Go and go do it. You know, yeah, you start to Walter. Like, yeah, I of mean, course, man. Yeah. I thought the, if anybody's mm-hmm. not seen it, watch Alex Ferguson's tribute. Yeah. Uh, to Walter Smith at the the memorial. Absolutely brilliant. I, Sorry, know, carry on. No, no. Listen, it's worth a mention. I've never. Uh, I admired them. Uh, you know, I, I was when I was younger. Um, you know, I was Rangers fan growing up and. Oh, he's he, gone on the record. He's he, he definitely class. I'm on class. the other lot, by the way. But, but listen, even just, um, you know, crossing paths with my couple of times, very briefly, just, you know, as what everybody says, he is a gentleman. Um, but also, you know, you could see that he, he was, you know, a, a hard task. Yeah, hard task, man. Ah, you know, and, 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 and a proper Scottish, you know, a proper football man. Um, and, and, you know, you know, He's, he's gone too soon, um, but he, he, but go, you know going back to going back to what he was saying. If you're resting your laurels, you you going you going all right. You've stopped Celtic, um, and you've you've won the championship. Go and then win the next one and win the next one and and, and make yourself a team that's that's built on the success, not just happy to be, you know, what one season wonder type thing. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what he's looking at, and I think that's what he's seen. Um, I think the great teams 
get remembered not just for one championship. You've got to win multiples. You've got to be a you talk about this thing called the dynasty. It's very hard to do nowadays with the change. But why not have a go at it? You know, that that's what you get remembered, that's what you get your next move for, that's what you get your international recognition for. You're not gonna get it playing going out and and and, and, and being happy with average. And I think that's probably what he was trying to say there. I'm gonna be interested to see what the um what it's going to be like in terms of Giovanni Van Bronckhorst against Ange Postecoglou. Just final one, and we're going to start on Steven Gerrard with the next podcast. Uh, but I think I think a good one to to end on here is just on the kind of goals and comments and and the Van Bronckhorst stuff. Do you think the time is right? And it, it kind of rounds off the discussion we've had so far as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think a has Gerrard timed his departure right in terms of? just before his ideas get stale? And B, is it the right time for a new voice at Rangers as well? Mm. Oh, Hodgie, that is what you're, you're here for, these questions, eh? Um, do you know is what? It is, 5 think, to 11, so just know, make sure to... you, you sleep well. <laughs> I think but I think um, Gerard's decision is probably the right one, but it's a risky one. It's a risky one. Yeah, no, it's a risk for um, him. But but I, I, in terms I, I of the departure, do you think the timing? Um, the timing? Could he have waited to the end of the season when he's got another league, potentially another league title under his belt and maybe more? Or is this uh, the right vehicle but, but at the right he, time? Listen, the right, the right vehicle might not come up at the end of the season. Aston Villa might not be there. It might not be another exactly. team. It might, I mean, the window is so... It's like the sliding doors thing. If he doesn't do this, does another one come up? That's what will always be in the back of his mind. Does he have a poor season the rest of the season with Rangers and then... There isn't the option of a Premier League team at the end of this season where he then wants to get the next stepping stone or wherever he's wanting to get to. So it's, it's such a hard decision. I can only imagine what was going through his mind um, because he, loved, he obviously loved his time at Rangers. He was thinking, you know, I can, I can go and build on that this season. I think he really wanted to. Um, but will that window of opportunity arise again? You can't tell. And if it comes, you, you don't want to be sitting here not in any walk of life, not just football, you know, not taking that chance. And I think that's what it all no, comes down to. The chance is there, you, you take it. And I think you ha- I think you had to. I think it's risky because if it goes wrong at Aston Villa, he's maybe not on the right trajectory, trajectory that he wants to be. But on the other side, it, think positive. What if it goes right? No, that's it. And he's flying. I mean, well, what if it goes right so, is quite simple. If he, if he manages to make... A success of it, Aston Villa, exactly. and stays there the requisite number of years to Jurgen Klopp departs. He lines himself up for that Anfield gig. That's and there's no regrets. Yeah, way, um, I think you know. There's no regrets I, either way. I, I would say you know, and I think if 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 it doesn't go well, he's like, well, at least I take my chance. Nobody can nobody can level level that at him. That he, he just sat and was was comfortable at Rangers. I'm not saying comfortable, but you know what I mean. Um, How comfortable was he though? I mean, I think they might, I think they probably would have won another title this year, but... It would have been I mean, tight, maybe. It would, have been, it would have been pretty tight, but I also think if Goldson's coming out and saying what he's saying, whether he's doing it for the reaction or not, let's, let's take it at face value for the purposes of this question. I think then you can make the argument that it was time for a new voice and fresh ideas at Rangers as well. And Wait, if just, I'm honest, having yeah. watched Rangers this season, it has seemed a bit stale at times. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're probably right. And 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 white I think that rounds up, you know, brings us full circle to what we've just been talking about in this podcast then. Because that was the plan, mate. You, you, know, <laughs> you can see. Yeah. Uh, that's um, that's that's the skills. That's that's how you your your course, your degree was better than mine. <laughs> no better, mate. No better. Just harder. You know what I mean? You're getting handed in a silver plate. No, no, five times a on. year or whatever it was. Know what I mean? Um, no, nah, cracking. Easy, mate. I love this. I'm glad we're finally got our fingers out of proverbials to, to be doing hack and tackle. We'll probably do some different stuff with the podcast. You, you probably saw in the WhatsApp chat we were talking about some bigger ideas and, mm-hmm. and tackling into that. But me and you talking fit, but Hopefully folk are enjoying it. If you do or you don't, send me a direct message with some feedback, some thoughts. I put the Twitter accounts up there. Um, if you're if you're watching this because you like Easty, hopefully I've not annoyed you that much. You can give me a wee follow on all my channels as well. I'm also less than 30 subscribers away from the Magic 1000 on YouTube. So if you have enjoyed this, if you could subscribe to my YouTube channel and hit the wee bell. I'll give you one, Moji. I'll subscribe. Oh, there you go, mate. That was that was the whole purpose of this. There like, you go. We'll, we'll You've got twenty nine. Need twenty nine now. <laughs> Happy days. But I've got um, Easty's Twitter's down there as well. If you're uh, someone that watches my content and you've enjoyed, I mean, I love talking for about Easty. If um, if you've enjoyed hearing for him the night game, a wee follow on there. Um, and I think you've got you've got a few ideas of your own in the melting pot. So yeah, we'll definitely well, talk about them on here as well once we'll you get them gone. But he's the right stuff. Yeah. By the way, right, he's a he's a jack of all trades. This one, right? Master he writes stuff. Uh, well, right, pretty much. Um, he, he writes stuff. He broadcasts. He, um, co- he's coached youth and like sort of first team level, and obviously had a had a playing career as well. So that's that's one of the reasons I think we can give such a varied perspective and things, mate. You know what I mean? No, thanks for bigging me up, mate. It's been great to come on here and do this. Way, like you said, it's been about time we talk. Football all the time, it's not on a podcast, it's just on the phone. Exactly. Um, I was saying actually when you so, get cut off, I was just saying the only difference is there's a bit know, less swearing so, like when we're doing it for yeah. a wider audience, unless you're telling I, anecdotes about John Hughes. I, I apologize about that if anybody's tuning in and is offended, but um, good eye point here. We apologize. Yes. Uh, um, no, listen, good stuff, mate. We'll look forward to the next one as well. I no sure when that's going to be. I'm away in London next week, maybe. We'll yeah. definitely get it in the diary because I already know what we're going to talk about. And I feel I feel kind of bad because I promised Norwich fans we'd go proper oh, and yeah. Dean Smith. But we're sitting at uh, oh. what's that? Seventy five minutes, and I feel that we've no even no even touched the side yet. I think there's there's a lot more to come, man. Looking forward to it, mate. Happy days. Well, listen, thank you very much for watching the very first episode of Hack and Tackle. Hack here and Tackle there are going to be back very, very soon with the second episode because I already know all the stuff we're going to talk about. We'll go into bigger topics on this. We'll also have guests sometimes, probably Feast, his contacts book, no mine, um, admittedly, because it's a lot bigger than mine. As you can hear, this guy gets letters after Giovanni. <laughs> um, but yes, we will be back with more episodes. Obviously, the Hodge on Nodge content, you, you guys are probably already familiar with that. Would appreciate subscriptions on all the social media that you do consume. That would be very helpful for me. Easter, I'm sure, would appreciate a wee follow as well. But thank you very much for watching. And remember, tune in to the next episode of Hack and Tackle.